right, everybody glad to say this morning, say amen. Amen. Who's glad to be in church this morning? Hallelujah. Appreciate you being here, being in your place. Uh, one quick announcement real quickly uh, before I get into the message this morning. Uh, next next week, starting on Monday next week, uh, down in Northfield, Massachusetts, if you're able to make the drive down, um, we're going to have our 44th Annual Rock of Ages National Conference. Uh, we've got some tremendous preachers lined up. Uh, Dr. David Gibbs of the Christian Law Association will be there. Uh, Brother Scott Caudill, Brother Joe Arthur, my pastor from down south. Brother Gravely will be there. Uh, Brother Tim Fuller out of Milton, Florida will be there. If you want one of these, I did put some on the back table back there, so please feel free to stop by there, pick one of those up. I think Northfield is about four hours from here. Uh, so if you wanted to drive down, stay in a motel, there's even some motel information there on the back uh, with some uh, discounted rates. Okay, um, they're still not that they're still not that cheap. But if you want one of those, please feel free to stop by the table back there in the very back on your way out the door and pick one of those up. All right, Matthew chapter number seven. Matthew chapter number seven. I appreciate the opportunity to be back in God's house with you. I've been looking forward to coming back. I always enjoy going places that know me uh, most of the time because uh, usually if I'm getting invited back, it's because they like me. Sometimes it's just because I'm filling a void, <laughs> but most of the time it's because they like me, and I like going places where I'm liked. I don't know about you, but I don't like going in places that people don't like me. So I like going back to places that people like me. Matthew chapter number 7. Uh, when you find your place, if you're willing and able, let's stay in a reverence to the reading of God's Word. Everybody's favorite verse is found in verse number 1. Um, we're not going to read verse number 1, but uh seems to be the favorite verse of a lot of different people. Um, but uh, anyways, I'm not going to go there. All right. Matthew chapter number 7. Look with me at verse number 15. The Bible says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, it's amazing, can I stop and run a rabbit real quick? It's amazing to me that Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged, and then turn around in the same context, the same passage of scripture, said, by their fruit you shall know them, all right? That's just food for thought for later on, all right? Verse number 21, the Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have, done, have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then you can be seated for the message from the word of God this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your presence to pray, I want to thank you for this day. 
Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity you've given me to stand and to preach your word this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be back in this place. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you, Lord, for their pastor. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to fill in his absence. Thank you for the confidence that he has in me to be able to preach the word of God to his people while he's not here. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, help me not to do or to say anything to grieve or quench your Holy Spirit. But Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do and say everything that you want said and done for your honor and your glory. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to leave here the same way we came in. Lord, help us to leave here being challenged by the Word of God and changed by the Spirit of God. Lord, if there's one lost soul under the sound of my voice this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd save them upon the terms of the gospel. Lord, bring that backslider back to you, and we'll thank you, we'll praise you, for it's in your Son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing here in Matthew chapter number 7, very familiar passage of Scripture, and I don't want to take a lot of time this morning, but I do want to try to give you exactly what the Lord has for us this morning. And just by way of introduction, I want to break our text down into three different points here this morning. If you look at verse number 16, verse number 15 and verse number 16, the first two verses we read, Jesus gives a word of caution as he says in verse number 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. And here's the thing, you can always tell who is, whenever you hear a story, you can always tell whether they're, they're telling it from a victim standpoint or whether they're telling it from an accountability standpoint because they make themselves to be the victor or they make themselves to be the martyr in the story. But Jesus is telling here, he says, listen, he said, beware of those people. He said, there's a word of caution here. And that's exactly what we ought to do today. Nowadays, there's all kinds of different things that are trying to creep into churches and trying to take over and Calvinism's rearing its ugly head again and reformed theology is what they're calling it nowadays and different things like that is trying to creep back in and Jesus is saying beware of that beware of those that those wolves that come to you in sheep's clothing so he gives a word of caution but then in verse number 16 the last part of verse number 16 through verse number 20 he talks about with some certainty as he says in verse number 16 do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit and you know this as well as I do you're not going to go out to an apple tree and expect to pick oranges you're not going to go to an orange tree and expect to find apples there you're not going to go to a grapevine and expect to find peaches on it that's just not the way the process works when whatever's planted whatever the seed was that's the fruit that will be produced and that's exactly what Jesus is saying here he said hey you can mark it down you can take it to the bank you can be certain about this this is way this is the way that this is going to be as it goes on even in verse number 17 even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit every tree that bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire Whereby, wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Can I say it this way? Can I illustrate it this way? A sinner is not going to act like a Christian. And a Christian ought not act like a sinner. 
Now that's not to say we even talked about it in Sunday school this morning, how the flesh or the spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak. But even so, that spirit, if that person is truly saved by the grace of God, that spirit will be guiding them. And even though their flesh might be weak, and even though they might be want, their flesh might be wanting some of the things of the world, that spirit, that man on the inside, that Holy Spirit of God that lives on the inside says, oh, we ain't supposed to do that. We ain't supposed to go there. We ain't supposed to talk like that. We ain't supposed to dress like that. We ain't supposed to listen to that kind of music. That's what the Spirit does. And he talks about, he talks about, I believe it's in another passage of Scripture, he talks about you can't bring forth good water and bitter water out of the same place. And here's the thing, whenever you become a child of God, whenever you have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't want it. Your spirit doesn't want to do the things of the world. It wants to do the things of God. So when Brother Matthew, there's a fight that goes on. I understand that. We talked about that over and over in Sunday school this morning about how that there's a battle that goes on and how that this, how that whichever one that we feed is the one that's going to win. So we see the certainty there. But then if you look in verse number 21, down through verse number 23, we see the counterfeits. As Jesus says, remember all this is Jesus talking. If you have a red letter edition, you already know that because all of it's in red. But if you look at verse number 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. Then, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He said there's going to be some counterfeits. Can I be honest with you this morning? I'm afraid that a lot of people sitting in our independent fundamental Premillennial Bible believing Baptist churches and whatever other adjective you want to put there have been sold a fake bill of goods. I used to work at a gas station and they always told us, they said, make sure that you check large bills. Make sure you check them. While I never had one come through the gas station, when I was a manager, I had a cashier take a $20 bill that was printed on notebook paper. I don't know how she didn't see that. Because here's the thing. If you'd stopped and looked at it, it wasn't even a good counterfeit. It was just literally you could see the lines of the notebook paper on the bill. And I'm thinking, how in the world did you not see that? But you know, whenever you look at a bank, whenever you talk to a bank teller, they don't give them counterfeit money to look at. You know what they do? They give them real money to work with. Because real money and fake money feel different. Whenever you come across a fake bill, guess what? You immediately can tell. And you can look at different things about it. And that's the reason why they have all those security features built into it. And used to, they tell me that you, you know that line that's in a bill? They tell me you can actually take that out. I've never tried. I've not been willing to destroy any money. If you want to give me some of yours, I'll destroy yours, all right? But they tell me you can actually take that little line out. But here's the thing. There's all kinds of different counterfeits nowadays, are there not? 
And you walk around and ro- how many of y'all knows what Rolexes are? Anybody got one? I don't either. You know why? I ain't spending that kind of money on a watch. Joy, I guarantee you, if you go downtown, downtown New York City, you go over to Chinatown or anywhere around in there, I promise you, you can find anything that you want to find. You can find a fake Rolex. You can find a fake, how many of y'all knows what a Louis Vuitton is? Y'all women do at least. They sell counterfeits of those all day long. All the time you're seeing different things. Nowadays we even got counterfeit Bibles. I'm trying to be nice this morning, y'all. I'm trying. We got counterfeit Bibles. We got counterfeit music. We got counterfeit church. Say, Brother Matthew, you believe Baptists are the only one going to heaven? No, but I'm, if I'm going to go to heaven, I want to go first class. Amen? I'll be a Baptist till the day I die. But here's the thing. There's so many counterfeits out there nowadays, are there not? Here's what I'm convinced of this morning. There are people sitting in our Baptist churches today that are counterfeits. They have religion, but they have no relationship. They have religion. They have that form of godliness. They have that, well, I can quote the verses. I can talk the talk. I can sing the song. I can do all this. And who knows? Some of them might even be teaching a Sunday school class. Some of them might even be preaching in a pulpit. But they're lost. On their way to hell without God. Why? Because they're a counterfeit. They have religion. They have no relationship. They have a form of godliness, but they're not truly saved. Can I give you three things this, or four things this morning on religion or relationship? Number one, look at verse number 21. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. We're talking about religion or relationship. So here's the thing. You see the reverence, they say, Lord, Lord. They're reverencing the right one, are they not? They're putting him in his rightful place, if I can say it that way. They're putting him in that position of preeminence that is all he's already there, but they're recognizing the fact. They're saying, Lord, Lord, that's just like if the President of the United States walked in here this morning. I wouldn't look at him and call him Mr. Biden. You know what I'd say? There's President Biden walking in because he has that position. So, Brother Matthew, do you agree with his policies? Not one of them. But here's the thing. There's still that respect. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what these religious people do? According to our text, they reverence Him. They said, Lord, Lord. And He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. So we see the reverence, but then in verse number 21, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I want to come back to this, the last part of verse number 21. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So apparently there's some requirements to get to heaven. Is that right? And we're going to look at those requirements here in just a moment, but here's the thing. Those religious people, those that don't have a relationship, guess what? They've not come by the requirements. 
And what is it that the Bible talks about? He said that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he talks about that there's one way. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But here's the thing. Whenever that thief comes in, you know what? He don't try to come through the front door. He tries to come in some other way, don't he? That's what religious people are doing nowadays. And they're trying to do enough good works, and here's the thing. And I don't want you to think I'm against any of these things because I think all of them are right and well in their place. But here's the thing. They'll, try, they'll make sure that the homeless are taken care of. And they'll make sure they got blankets during the winter, and they'll make sure they got a warm place to sleep, and they'll try to work at a soup kitchen, and they'll try to do this, and they'll try to do that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But it's not the requirement. They'll say, well, we need to do more for our veterans, and I agree. Here's the thing, I'm for our veterans. I believe we ought to do more for our veterans. But if that's your cause this morning, if that's what you're trusting in to get you to heaven, you're not coming God's way. They'll say, well, we ought to do this, or we ought to do that, or, you know, whenever it comes to things at the church, son, I'm there. Whatever the preacher needs, I'm there, and you ought to be here for your preacher. But if that's what you and I are trusting in to get us saved, we are not coming God's way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The requirements. See, there's not many ways to get to God this morning. There's one way. He said in Ephesians 2, 8 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's the reason why it's not in a baptismal pool. That doesn't get you to heaven. Having your name on a church roll doesn't get you to heaven. You know what you're doing? You're missing the requirements that God Himself has set down. Why? Because you're holding on to your religion but you don't have a relationship. We see the requirements, and we'll come back to that here in just a moment. But then not only we see the requirements, we see the reverence, but in verse number 22, we see the re their reports. Look at verse number 22. The Bible says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, there's that reverence again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Or in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? I mean, they're coming in and they're reporting about all this and they're saying, man, Lord, we've prophesied in thy name. We've done this and we've done that. And the Lord said, so? You ever walk up to somebody and they come up to you and they say, man, I've done this and I've done that. Or you ever walk up to somebody and say, man, I was able to do this this week and I was able to do this this week. And they look at you and say, and? You know how frustrating that is? You're looking for at least a pat on the back, right? How many of y'all like somebody beating you down? Not me. I like to be encouraged. I like it whenever people say, man, that was a good job. That was one of my favorite things at work. Whenever I'd go to work on a regular, or whenever I worked a public job and I'd go in there and we'd sit down and we'd have those coaching sessions. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We've got so many politically correct terms for them now they don't even want to are called anymore. Go in there and you sit down and you have a coaching, you have a performance review. And they sit down and they 
well, you did this well. Usually they've already got that paper filled out and there ain't nothing you can do to change their mind either. If they think you stink, you stink. All right. <laughs> you know what they'll do? They'll come in and they'll say, well, you, you did really well on these things. You know what they're doing? They're patting you on the back. Say, man, good job. And usually they're doing what's called a compliment sandwich. They're going to compliment you first and then they're going to tear you down. And then they're going to come back and compliment you again. Do you know what? That performance review, I like leaving those whenever they didn't really have anything negative to say. Do y'all? I like it whenever they, and just keep doing what you're doing. I like that. You know why? Because that tells me that they're saying, hey, you're doing a good job. Don't let up. But these people, they went to the Lord and they said, Lord, We've prophesied. We've warned people. We've told people, hey, you got to get right. Jesus is coming. We've told people, hey, we, you got to do this and you got to do that. We've tried to warn our best, warn people our, the best that we possibly could about the coming judgment. We've tried our best to do that. We see the reports. They said they prophesied, but not only that, they, not only did they say they prophesied, but man, look at their performance. Verse number 22, the Bible says, and in thy name, have cast out devils? Let me ask you a question. Anybody in here ever cast out a devil? I hadn't. I hadn't even tried. You know why? Because if Michael the archangel won't even play with the devil, I ain't going there. That means he's too powerful for me. And guess what? Newsflash, he's too powerful for you too. But I ain't never had the opportunity to cast out an old devil. I hadn't even tried. Matter of fact, people that are possessed with demons and devils, you know what I try to do? I try to stay away from them. I don't want nothing jumping off of them and getting on me, man. But here's the thing. I've never done that. Man, their performance was phenomenal. Cast out devils, but then he goes on. He talks about, in verse number 22, he said, "Not only there, he talks about they talk about they've prophesied, they've they've done their they perform, but then also that they say it was phenomenal, and in thy name have done many wonderful works." I wrote some notes down here. They've helped the homeless. That's a good thing. They've saved the animals. You were like, "Can I run a rabbit real quick and come right back?" And I I hope it don't kill the message for you. If it does. You need to get right with God anyway. But here's the thing. Animals, have, animals nowadays have more rights than humans. You spend more time in prison for abusing an animal than you do for whooping somebody. Now where's that at? But they've helped the animals. They've saved them. And here's the thing. That's commendable and that's well and good. And I'm not preaching against doing good to animals. I like animals. They taste real good. <laughs> and if that offends you, I don't know what to tell you, all right? But here's the thing. They saved the animals. I wrote down, they fought for rights. They fought for the little guy. Don't misunderstand me. The little guy needs somebody to stick up for him. Because you know why he's a little guy? Because he can't do anything for himself. But they also were down, they're teaching a Sunday school class. 
I wonder how many Sunday school teachers just had religion and didn't have a relationship. Sir, ma'am, you know why it's so hard for you to study for your Sunday school class? Because you don't have a relationship. You just have religion. See, whenever it's religion, you know what? Whenever it's religion, it's work to come to church. It's work to study your Bible. And don't misunderstand. I'm not discounting the flesh in this, but whenever it's religion, it's that much harder. But when it's a relationship, it's easy. See, there are people, and y'all don't fall out with me on this, there are people that I don't really enjoy spending time with. If I'm just being honest with you. You know why? Because it takes work to talk to them. And just to be honest, they're not really pleasant people. So I have a relationship with my wife. You know what? I enjoy spending time with her. I don't know if she enjoys spending time with me, but I enjoy spending time with her. You know why? We have a relationship. And I don't I have a hard time sometimes talking about the things of the world. And I'm not putting me up on no pedestal, please don't misunderstand me. But I have a hard time talking about the things of the world sometimes because I don't know anything about them. But when you want to talk about the Bible, you want to talk about Jesus, and you want to talk about how you can, I mean, we can sit here and we can discuss major Bible, I mean, we, and we can discuss those little nuanced things if you want to split hairs over some stuff too. I mean, we can go there. But that's not a hard thing for me to do. Why? Because I have a relationship. We see also some of them, might have, they've done many wonderful works. They might have even been preaching. Wouldn't be the first preacher to get saved. I know of several. They might have even been pastor in a church. Wouldn't have been the first one. But also I wrote down, they was giving out tracts. How many of y'all gave out a tract this week? Don't raise your hand. Because I don't want to embarrass nobody. But we ought to be giving out tracts. We actually talked about that during Sunday school this morning, did we not? About reaching a lost world and seeing them for who they are. But then I also wrote down, they might have been singing. Now here's the thing. Down south we call it singing. You know why? Because down south we just get up and we just rear back and let her fly. Just being honest. But up here, y'all a little more dignified a lot of times. All right? Y'all are different in other ways, but in your singing, it's actually singing up here. It's not singing. Y'all know the music, and y'all y'all can read the, the notes for the most part, and you can typically follow along a song. I remember our first time in New England, it was literally like the song leader would just hold the songbook and just let it fall, and whatever song it fell open to, that's what we were singing. Most of the songs still, we go to churches still, and I still don't know half the songs we sing. So you know what I do? I get a book and I try my best to follow along as best I can. Sometimes it might just be mouthing words just to make it look like I'm doing it. You know what? I'm trying my best. But they have a, rela- they have a religion. They were singing, but I also wrote down, they, they might have been shouting. They might have been working for the church. They might have been full-time on staff at a good church. 
But yet all they had was religion. I wrote down, it's helping the widows. It's helping the elderly. Especially this past year, man, there's, there's been so many people that has tried their best to go out of their way to help the at-risk. And I commend you for that. It ought to be done. If we can help someone that can't get out at because they're at risk, then by all means, let's do that. But that's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to get me to heaven. Their works were phenomenal. Man, they was, I mean, their report, they was talking about all kinds of different things that they got to do. And man, it was just, it was phenomenal, the things that they was accomplished. He said, in thy name have done many wonderful works. They weren't even doing it in their name. They was giving him the glory for it. But they was religious. We see the reverence. We see the requirements. We see the reports. Look at verse number 23. We see the results. The results of being religious with no relationship. Verse number 23, the Bible says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You know, that's perhaps one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. can't imagine going through life and doing all these different things and I get to stand before Him. Standing there at the great white throne judgment and He looks at me and He says, Depart from me, for I never knew. You know, I've walked up to, a, we've been in a lot of different churches and I've had to introduce myself to a lot of different people. And I didn't know them when I walked in. And a lot of them I still didn't know whenever I walked out. And honestly, sometimes being in different church, church after church after church after church, you just kind of get to the point where, can I be honest with you, it's not, well, hey, Brother, brother Frank, right? It's not to the point where you say, hey, Brother Frank, how you doing? It's, hey, Brother, how are you? You go through so many different names, it's hard to remember everybody. The only reason why I remember him is because he talks to me every time I come here. And I see him on Facebook all the time. Join. Pastors become, hey, preacher, how you doing this morning? Names are so hard, get harder and harder to remember. Join. what? Jesus hadn't had a problem remembering a single name. And I've had to walk up to a lot of people and look at them and say, now I recognize you, but I can't for the life of me remember what your name is. And they'll look at me and say, oh, my name's Brother So-and-so. How are you, Brother Matthew? And man, that makes you feel about that tall. Because they remember your name. But here's the thing. Jesus ain't never had to do that. He remembers every one of those that are His. They're written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. But on that day, He said, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. See the results? Can I give you two things about these results? Number one, we see the confession. Jesus said, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. If, if the only if you don't ever know me 
you know him and he knows you that's all that matters but if you know me and you don't know him and he don't know you you've missed it you've missed it we see the confession but then we also see the condemnation verse number 23 the last part the Bible says depart from me ye that work iniquity I never knew you here's the thing this morning and when he says that it's done there's no second chance there's no well let me do this better no it's done a lot of times as a parent those of you that are parents in here this morning you know you understand what I'm saying You'll give chance after chance after chance after chance. But you know, really, truthfully, you know what we're doing? We're doing a disservice. Because we're teaching them that they're going to get chance after chance after chance after chance to make things right. And one day after a while, there won't be any more chances. God's only obligated to deal with you one time. And after that, He never has to deal with you ever again can't help but feel like there might be somebody here this morning that might be saying well preacher what you mentioned those requirements that Jesus talked about in verse number 21 what are those requirements can I tell you real quickly he said in verse number 21 he said not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven you say preacher what is the will of the father can I give you three simple things Number one is to admit that you're a sinner. So, preacher, I'm a pretty good person. That no, not according to scripture. He said in Romans chapter three, verse number twenty-three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, brother Matthew, I, I, you know, I, I, I help the homeless and I give out tracts and I, I save the animals and I do all these different things. We've already seen from scripture that's not enough. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Up here, from what I understand, y'all have a lot of fairs up here. And you know, every ride that you go to, you know what it says? It says you must be this tall to ride this ride. Is that right? So whenever you walk up to that, I remember whenever I was a little kid, I remember walking up to it and I'd try my best to make myself as tall as possible. Y'all remember doing that? You know why? Because you knew you was going to come short. Now remember, it's a glad day. It was only for a short season, I assure you, but it was a glad day in my life. At that time, whenever I finally was tall enough to ride the roller coaster, I assure you it was for a short season. I assure you of that. But it was a glad day in my life when I finally was able to stretch out enough to where I was tall enough ride that roller coaster I was able to take that ride can I tell you this morning Senator, there will never be a day that you'll ever come even close to meeting the bar there will never be a day that you'll ever even come close to getting to the glory of God 
He said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Here's the thing. You know why people act the way they do? Because they're sinners. So what's going to happen one day after a while? They're going to pay that sin debt that Jesus has already paid for them if they don't trust Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Sinner, can I tell you this morning, if you do not trust His free gift, you will pay that sin debt. There will be no mercy. There will be no second chances. There will be no, well, we'll send them back and let them see how they, no. When you stand before God at that great white throne judgment, when you leave this walk of life as a sinner without God, you're doomed for all eternity. The wages of sin is death. We see the requirements. What is the will of the Father? Number one, admit you're a sinner. But number two, believe on the Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him the dead, thou shalt be saved. You say, preacher, is it that easy? It is that easy. Salvation's not some hard, mystical thing. It is literally as easy as believing on Him and asking Him to come into your heart and your life and to save you from your sins. It is literally that easy. You say, preacher, are you easy to believe? No, but it's easy to get saved. It's not hard. If it was hard, I wouldn't be saved this morning. must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ number three you must confess your sin and call on the Lord Romans chapter 10 verse number 13 for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved whosoever you know what that means that means that it's not just the bald headed guys in the room that can get saved if that be the case, there's only about four of us in here that can be saved this morning. That means that it's not just the women in here that can get saved this morning. I want you to do me a favor real quick. Everybody, all at once. You ready? Everybody, I want you to take a deep breath. Y'all ready? On three. One, two, three. You know what you are? You're whosoever. You said, preacher. You mean Jesus died for me? He did. He died that way. You might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, Preacher, do I got to do anything to be saved? All you got to do is ask. I mean, it's literally that easy. But I will tell you this this morning. If you're in here this morning, you're, you're religious, but you have no relationship, you know what you'll have to do? You'll have to be willing to swallow your pride. You say, Brother Matthew, what do you mean? Well, here's, here's the conversation the devil will start having. Well, what, what are them people going to think about you if you go forward and get saved this morning? I don't know what anybody else is going to think. But you might just see this fella right here shout. We're going to rejoice with you. 
We're not going to look down on you. We're, you know what? Matter of fact, we're going to think more of you because you decided, you know what? I'm going to junk my church membership. I'm going to junk my pride. I'm going to get rid of everything. And I'm just going to trust Christ. And I'm going to put my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to get rid of my works. I'm going to quit trusting in them. And I'm just going to run to Calvary this morning. We'll rejoice with you. But you must be willing to let go of your pride. You see, religion says do. Relationship says done. Second Corinthians, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, under Old Testament law, they had to go in year after year into the Holy of Holies and take that blood, put it on the mercy seat, but not so anymore. Jesus, our high priest, our Melchizedek, he took his blood and put it on the mercy seat to forever obtain eternal redemption for our sin. We don't have to do that anymore. We're not bound by Old Testament law anymore. We're under grace this morning because of the fact that Jesus Christ went to a cross and shed His blood and took that blood and put it on the mercy seat for you and for me. You say, preacher, who can be saved? Anybody? No matter whether they're red, yellow, black, or white. The little kid's song said, Jesus loves the children of the world. Aren't you glad he loves some adults too? Glad he loves some teenagers. I was 16 years old when I got saved, lost as I could be. Born and raised in a preacher's home. I didn't know anything but church. But God came by where I was at, picked me up out of the muck and mire sin I was in, took me out of that religion, took me out of that form of godliness and gave me that relationship. And now I get to go home to be with Him for all eternity. Why? Because I was willing to let go of my pride. Religion says do. Relationship says done. Religion says unknown. says you can't know that you're saved. But relationship says, oh yes you can. He said, Brother Matthew, prove it, all right? Can I give you a verse of Scripture? John chapter 6, verse number 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast him out. John chapter 10, verse number 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He goes on to say in John chapter 10, verse number 28 through verse number 30, he says, I am my Father one. He says that we're in the Father's hand. He says we're in His hand. And then you go over to Ephesians chapter number 1. He says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So can I illustrate it this way? We're in His hand. This is us. We're in His hand. Then we're in the Father's hand. And then the Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we got three layers of protection. We can never lose our salvation. We are His for all of eternity. Why? Because of relationship. Religion says you can't know. Relationship says, oh yes we can. The John, first John chapter 5 verse number 13. These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have everlasting life. Glad I don't have a hope so salvation. I don't have a maybe so. I, well, Lord, please let me get there. No, I have a no so salvation this morning. 
And see, religion says unknown. Relationship says no. Religion says be a good man. Relationship says, or religion says that he was a good man. Relationship says he's the Lord. John chapter 13, verse number 13. You call me Master and Lord. You say, well, for so I am. He is Lord. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. We could go on and on and on and talk about the different titles that he has. But here's the thing. Suffice it to say this morning, he's the Lord. He was a good man, but can I say this? He's more than just a good man. He's the Lord. Amen. See, religion says a good man. Relationship says, Lord, religion says you're okay. Relationship says, says that you're a sinner. Romans chapter 3, verse number 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. And there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Religion says work your way to heaven. Relationship says it's free. You don't have to do anything to get it. Ephesians chapter, or excuse me, Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not through any other man. It's not through any other way. It's through Him and Him alone. Religion says heaven. Relationship says that's home. Can I ask you a question this morning? I'm done. Can I ask you a question? Are you religious? Or do you have a relationship? And I'm not asking you if your name's on the church roll. I'm not asking you if you're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, or Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and Wednesday night. I'm asking you if you have a relationship. From the pulpit all the way to the pew, do we have a relationship this morning? Are you saved? Do you know for sure that you're saved? I wonder with every head bowed and every eye closed, the pianist, if you'll come play a verse of invitation softly this morning. I wonder with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. I wonder if it'd be one this morning just by way of an uplifted hand. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I do want to pray for you. Just by way of an uplifted hand, you'd slip it up and take it back down, preacher. I'm not saved. Preacher, I don't have a relationship. Preacher, all I've got is religion. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart and pricked my heart this morning. And I'm concerned enough about my soul that where I'd admit you and the Lord Preacher, I'm lost. Would there be one this morning? Preacher, I'm not saved. Anybody? Preacher, I'm not saved. I saw hands this morning, everybody in here this morning. You're saved, you're saved. And I ask you a question. With a relationship, there's benefits that go along with it. Are you taking advantage of those benefits? And it goes a step further than that. With that relationship becomes a responsibility. 
to tell others about Jesus. See, we wasn't put here in this world just to kind of work our way through and then go home to be with Him. No, we was put here to reach people for the cause of Christ. I wonder, are you fulfilling your responsibility? Say you have a relationship, are you sharing that relationship with others? Or is this something you're holding on to for your own personal use? Brother's going to come, lead us in a verse of invitation. We're going to pray, but can I tell you this morning, if you're here this morning, even if you didn't raise your hand, if you're here this morning and you're lost, I beg you this morning, would you put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? So preacher, I, I, I don't know that I can come to that altar. Would you do me a favor then? I'll be standing at the back door after service. You just stop by there and say, Preacher, could I talk to you for a minute about my soul? Preacher, I'm not saved. Heavenly Fathers, we come to your presence to pray. I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity you've given us to stand and to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you're blessed now as a brother comes to sing a verse of invitation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, those of us that are saved this morning. Lord, if we're not right with you, Lord, we've not been sharing our relationship with others. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get right this morning. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you. Bless as we continue this service. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. For it's in your son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen, amen.